Welcome to the Derm Club podcast, where we educate the world and the public about skin, dermatology. I usually invite the world's leaders onto this podcast to share their knowledge with the rest of us. So this pandemic has put, as you know, telemedicine at the forefront of the center stage. It is now a word that's being used everywhere. Everyone knows what telemedicine is, whereas a few months ago, no one even knew what the word meant. So I, want, I brought you on today because I know you are an expert of dermatology and using it in telemedicine. You are starting to think about this way before the pandemic, but I want to ask you, how are we going to use telemedicine to change the way we help our patients in dermatology? What should be most excited? What should we be most excited for? What are the limitations when it comes to taking care of people's skin remotely? And let's dive in. But today, I'm very fortunate to discuss this topic with you, Dr. Delavalle. Uh, first, let me introduce you. Dr. Robert Delavalle serves as Chief of Denver VA Medical Center Dermatology Service and is, and is an Associate Professor of Dermatology in Public Health at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. He is one of my mentors. We have been friends for quite a while, and I'm lucky to have him on my podcast today. So welcome. Thank you, Dr. Koppelman. It's my pleasure to be here and talk to you about uh, teledermatology. Uh, that's Great. a big topic. Uh, the VA has been a pioneer in teledermatology for many years, and we started incorporating it into our VA dermatology service about, I'd say, 10 years now. And we slowly built it up so that it is now taking about one in five of our visits out of the personal uh, realm and into the virtual realm. Wow. Now, there's uh, convenience for the patients and the doctors in doing this because the uh, patients and the doctors can schedule their visits and not have to travel. Um, so they can schedule them into the, the time that they want. And uh, we do mainly store and forward, where it's sort of like uh, when a grandparent sends pictures to their uh, kid, their grandkids, or the grandkids sends pictures to their grandparents, you can open up the um, visit and look at it at your convenience uh, over the computer. You don't have to do it in real time. And that makes it more convenient for the, uh, for the busy physicians. Now with the pandemic in uh, March of 2020, we went to 100% virtual care. Uh, at our VA. And then we returned to in-person care 100% July 1st. So it, it was a real um, whirlwind tornado change uh, from just doing one in five to suddenly doing all of our care via the telephone and the computer. Uh, some of the things we encountered is our, uh, our patients are not real um, not all of them are able to send us pictures of their skin disease, and pictures are very important for when you're dealing with, with uh, skin disease. And that's one of the reasons why we went back to 100%. Uh, well, not 100%, but 100% of what we were when the pandemic started. So back to a 20% telederm uh, rate like we did uh, in, before March. 
So the, uh, the disadvantages are that there is a real personal connection to meeting with people in person and it's much easier to communicate in person and to show people what's going on with your body in person than it is over the internet or via photography. A lot of the photographs of skin disease take some expertise to do well so that you can make a diagnosis from a photograph. And with our teledermatology, we have dedicated imagers where the patient will go in and have a picture taken at a local area. And then that picture is sent to the dermatologist. And that is not so easy to do uh, just if the patient is doing it at home. Right. I understand. So why did the VA start to think about teledermatology 10 years ago? That You know, that's pretty advanced. Yeah, they were really at the forefront. It was really a top-down effort. The, the leadership decided that this is the way of the future. We needed to start doing it. And uh, in our uh, area of the VA that I'm in charge of, we cover multiple states, a very large territory with lots of uh, people in rural areas that don't have dermatologists. So getting pictures over the internet of the skin disease was a very practical way of serving and opening up access for specialty care for those veterans. And uh, I think it was really the right thing to do. Um, I think we've got a nice mix now of uh, one in five, and we'll probably keep going up. One of the goals of the VA is to, for every patient in the VA to be able to send a picture to their uh, specialists, uh, dermatologists, uh, no matter where they are in the nation at, at, in the near future. So we continue to expand teledermatology in the VA. And that's a major goal in the coming years. That's excellent. So you said that um, one of the biggest challenges was having people take pictures was a challenge for many people or knowing how to send them. How do you change that? I know you said that you're, they're going to have a dedicated way to send photos but do you think there could be an educated way to teach people how to send photos? I mean, in this day and age, most people do have a phone that takes photos. Maybe not the greatest quality, but maybe is there a way to teach them? Is there a way to regulate the quality of the photos that you're getting or give people who are in the VA maybe a tablet or at home so that they can do all their medical work from home with that tablet and take photos with it? You can certainly um, give people advice how to take a better photo, but I'm, I'm thinking of, for example, a colleague of mine at the VA who recently retired, had a lesion on his forehead and was sending me pictures of it uh, for diagnosis. And even a physician um, can sometimes not be able to take a good picture with their cell phone for multiple reasons. The lighting isn't great. They, it's hard to take a picture yourself of an area um, that, that you want to get a diagnosis on. And uh, in the VA, we have a lot of older um, patients uh, who might not uh, ha even have internet, uh, might not have a cell phone. Uh, so it, it's still not 100% in the patients we serve. Okay. So how has the pandemic shaped the future of derm and, teleder and telemedicine? Yeah, so I think the pandemic showed us that if we have to, we can go to 100% virtual care for a period of time. Um, looking at this trend over the nation, 
we do know that certain preventive care measures have been delayed, and one of those things is skin cancer screening is not as good virtually as it is in person. And we know that a certain percentage of skin cancers have, their diagnosis has been delayed because we haven't been able to see people in person. And that's just a, <clears throat> a fact we can't get around. There is, <coughs> excuse me, a possibility that there are better ways of screening people virtually. Um, for example, you could think about uh, total body cameras being set up at multiple sites across the nation and that people could go to them and just have their whole body photographed and have that information digitally analyzed by a computer and have that information given to a dermatologist. So that might be sort of a Star Trek um, futuristic uh, way of doing this uh, at some point in the future, but uh, not something we're currently doing. Right. Well, I know from my own experience, when I was uh, working as a skin cancer fellow, you know, we went 100% virtual as well. And it definitely became challenging to um, understand the skin cancer patients and what they were, what their lesions looked like, especially a lot of them were older, couldn't send high quality photos, they were too close, they were too far, the lighting was too dark. Even sometimes for full body checks, I mean, we had a, a patient go in the bathroom and take a video and just videoed his whole, he's like, I have some moles here, I have some moles here, look at my back. So it's hard to get the overview. But I did find that there were some skin diseases that were very easy to treat over, um, over a video or through a photo. And some of those included um, acne, psoriasis, eczema. I saw, I uh, treated a lot of children who had atopic dermatitis. You know, I worked with the parents and they actually liked it for the parents, especially they said, oh, this is great. I don't have to run my baby or my kid into the doctors. I can do this all from home. I had a very easy time with the uh, patients with acne as well. I don't know if you had a similar experience. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, your acne patients tend to be younger, more uh, digitally savvy, and uh, acne is a very obvious uh, skin disease that you can tell what's going on, even with a pretty bad picture of a, of a face. So I, I think it's really one of the best uh, diseases to uh, treat via teledermatology. Yes. Um, and then another thing was, was which was very exciting is that Accutane, became something that used to be like a challenge and you know having people come monthly for appointments to do eye pledge that became virtual and i had patients raving to me about it that this is great i can send you a picture of my pregnancy test i can i can do this all remote and i love not having to come in so do you think that could be the future for eye pledge yeah, I, I think um, it worked. Um, you know, the data has to be analyzed if there were more, uh, say, pregnancies on uh, Accutane after the pandemic or given that it turned virtual to see if it really was as safe as all of the previous restrictions. But I think most dermatologists felt that the um, Accutane or the isotretinoin regulations, which are the most stringent in medicine for any medicine, were a little bit uh, more than was necessary. Right. And, uh, and that uh, backing off on them is, is perfectly reasonable as long as you can 
trust and accept what your patient is telling you. So do you think this could be the future for treating Accutane? I think most dermatologists hope it's the future. Uh, unfortunately, I think those regulations came into being despite the objections of many dermatologists. So I think the uh, profession is ready to accept the new, uh, the new normal for isotretinoin prescription regulation, but whether or not we'll revert uh, when, things, uh, when, there's, when this pandemic goes away, if ever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> has yet to be seen. Not so our biggest you, problem, though, but it, no. that was one of the, uh, the minor uh, plus sides of, of things changing. Definitely. Do you think that patients are becoming more comfortable um, being seen virtually? I do think that's the case. Again, it's harder to establish that personal connection with your patient that's so important or with any interaction uh, virtually. Uh, I find that I'm running on the juice and energy of my pre-pandemic relationships right now, and that that's what's getting me to go on Zoom. But if I had just Zoom, I'm not sure I would have the motivation to uh, have all the meetings and talk to all the people that I do. Uh, I think uh, there's really a lot to be said for meeting with people in person and making those, uh, establishing at least your initial relationship with somebody in person so that you can trust them, see what they're like, know, know what, how they interact with you, and uh, establish that rapport. And then having the virtual meeting after that, I think, is pretty easy. But I think establishing all of that relationship initially via the computer is really hard. Yeah. I mean, I, the way I see it in the future is I could see where you say, okay, once a year I'm going to go into my dermatologist and the, all the other visits I'm going to do virtually. So that way you have a baseline of communication, of meeting in person, and even of the, a baseline of seeing how their skin looks. Yeah. And I think that does, um, you know, it saves travel resources. It saves time resources as long as you can get the information that you need. Uh, I think it's great to have that hybrid approach, and that seems to be what a lot of colleges are going through right now, is the hybrid, uh, some in-person, some virtual stuff for their classes and teaching. Right. So do you see, in terms of acne treatment, when you're seeing an acne patient virtually, do you see them more often or um, more uh, like their follow-up appointment, is it more far apart than you would have seen them? Is it every three months? Have you changed their follow-up timeline at all? Yeah, so unfortunately in the VA, we, we don't have enough um, dermatologists to see all of the acne patients. So most of the acne patients are seen for a consultation to figure out what kind of course of uh, treatment they need. And then they're sent back to their primary care doctors who do most of the follow-up. So we've got fabulous primary care doctors and lots of them in the VA that we collaborate with. And uh, they do a terrific job of treating most of the acne that we have. But uh, we mainly depend on them to send the patients back to us when they're having trouble and need another consultation. So the goal in order to optimize our access for all of our veterans is to have the primary care doctors doing most of the acne treatment and having us do the initial consultation for the treatment plan and then having those patients come back to us only when there's a problem with that plan and they need adjustment. So do you think in terms of other skin diseases, do you think you're seeing patients were, were, during the pandemic, were you seeing patients more regularly than you would have or was it 
really the same amount of time between each follow-up? That's an easy question to answer because we just switched all of our appointments from live to telephone. So we saw everybody the same rate we were doing. Uh, otherwise, it's just we saw them by telephone, telephone. at the same time rather than in person. Were you, why, how come you were using um, telephone and not video? Well, we could use video when we wanted a picture. Um, video was just more challenging for the patients um, to, to do with us. So telephone was an automatic, easy one for everybody. So that was what we uh, switched over to. And then if they needed to send us pictures, we would ask them to email us a picture, or send us a picture via, via other uh, secure uh, messaging uh, medium. So how do you see foresee telemedicine? Do you think that it will be video-based? Do you think it will be photos? Yeah, so one of the difficulties with video, at least in the VA system, is that the video quality is not as good as still picture quality for determining skin disease. So that was one of the reasons why we didn't do more video. Had the pictures been really good quality, uh, of the same quality as photos, we would have uh, done more uh, video. I think we're going to see ever-expanding teledermatology as much as um, works. And uh, what works often depends on the individual patient and the individual clinic. If you've seen one VA dermatology service, you've seen one VA dermatology service. We're all really quite different. Some of our uh, services, for example, the Atlanta VA Dermatology Service is still not seeing patients in person. And uh, in Denver, we've been seeing patients in person since July 1st. And that's because uh, Georgia has had much more of a COVID outbreak, and they're much more concerned about uh, spreading the disease by seeing patients in person. So, uh, you know, that's a completely different way of practicing at two VAs that are not that far apart in the same system. Right. Very interesting. So do you have guidelines for screening on a telemedicine console or via text message or in person? Yeah. So again, telemedicine is hard to screen the whole body. It's much easier to screen the whole body in person than it is via telemedicine. So with telemedicine, we have to focus on what the patient is telling us is their, their um, biggest problem and uh, mainly focus on that and rely on them to have significant others looking at their bodies, uh, to see if anything is changing in areas that are more difficult for us to see. So I, I would say the teledurm visits are much more focused than the in-person visits. Do you think that um, it's important to pre-screen, like, for instance, send a patient a questionnaire before you get on the phone or before you get on a video with someone? I know at where I was working, what they would do is when they would make the appointment, they would pre-screen them and say, you know, just trying to get a pre-diagnosis in a way before the physician saw them. Yeah, so all of our telederm that's being sent to us right now is from primary care doctors currently. So they're doing the screening for us to determine what's needed and the, uh, the dermatologist is in fact needed to evaluate what's going on and help with the treatment plan. Um, the VA is developing apps that will allow patients to directly contact the dermatologist and send their pictures directly to a dermatologist, but those haven't come online yet. They're still in development. Okay. So do you think the future of how we practice dermatology is gonna be a merge between video or phone photos and in person, kind of like how the VA has 
um, become since the pandemic, you're kind of using both now? Or do you think that there's going to be certain conditions that are going to be 100% virtual and certain conditions like skin cancer that will always be in person? Yeah, I think a lot of how we practice uh, medicine in the U.S. is determined by how it's paid for. So it's uh, a lot of the uh, payer mix is going to determine how much of uh, care is going to be virtual and how much of it is going to be in person. Are you working on any um, technology or ways to advance the monitoring of skin virtually? Um, I am part of the team that's helping to develop those apps that will allow patients to um, send their pictures directly to dermatologists. So I, I have been uh, working with that team for quite a while, and it's amazing how challenging that has been. <laughs> the progress has been quite slow for uh, a number of reasons, but we've been very uh, helpful, I think, in Denver in pointing out problems for that system uh, that that would have caused uh, much more of a headache later on had we not pointed them out. So uh, it's allowed for some corrections in, in the path of development of that app. And I'm, I'm hoping that app will come together uh, and be available very soon. But again, we'll have the challenge of having very few dermatologists in the VA system where we have enough to uh, service patients once they can send pictures directly to a dermatologist. It's very exciting. You're at the forefront of the advancements in dermatology. Yes, the VA doesn't give us a choice. It pushes <laughs> us right to the cutting edge. So. so are there any apps out there that you like that aren't necessarily the ones you've worked on, but that you would recommend or to uh, people? Oh, yeah, we've, we've done articles comparing them all. I haven't done a recent review of all the apps out there, but uh, my lab has reviewed for the literature, all of the apps that were available at the time, maybe a year or two ago. It's probably time to do that again. I generally don't recommend any apps. I, I really like in-person visits myself, if you have any concerns. So I, I'm uh, a little worried about uh, apps not being FDA regulated as to how they're doing things. And uh, oftentimes you're just getting uh, an intermediary that sends the picture to someone else to be uh, read and then get the reading back. So uh, you might as well do that directly with a board certified dermatologist is, is my current feeling. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Derm Club podcast. If you found the discussion today to be valuable, please subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode as we continue to delve into dermatology and skincare with the world experts.